John 4, Proverbs 20. And we'll begin in the fourth chapter of John and remind ourselves of this passage. The background of the story here is that Jesus went uh, to Samaria and he's standing by a well there and a woman came and he asked her to give him something to drink and uh, she asked him why you know that he asked her because she was a Samaritan. Verse 10, Jesus said if she knew who it was that said to her give him to drink that she would have asked of him and he would have given her living water. Verse 11, she said, well, sir, you don't have anything to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? And verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice that phrase again. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. I'm going to know he's talking about salvation. Who, whoever that will drink of this water shall never thirst. How many know that there is a thirst in the soul of every person that doesn't know Jesus? Amen. They try to quench that thirst with all kinds of things. Some folk try to drown it with alcohol. Some folk try to cover it over with drugs. Some, po some folk try to sa satiate it with immorality or, or money or possessions. But how many know that there's only one thing that will satisfy that thirst? It's the living water. Who is the living water? Jesus is the living water. Amen. The living water of salvation. You know, the Bible says over in the, one of the last verses in, in the book, of Revelation, one of the last verses in the Bible, it says, The Spirit says, Come, the Bride says, Come, and whoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Amen. Amen. That's an invitation, isn't it? For all who are thirsty and dry. I mean, way back in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied. He said, Ho, everyone that is thirsty. Amen. Let him come and drink without money, without price. Come drink. Amen. Jesus paid the price. It's already been paid for. All those that are thirsty can come and drink their fill from the fountain, from the well of living water, Jesus and salvation. And that's what he's talking about, isn't it? And he said, that water that I shall give him shall be in him. Everybody say, in him. In him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice. In him, a well of water. In him, a well of water. Everybody say, in him, a well of water. And of course, you know, when it says in him, it means in her too. Amen? In him, in her, in us, those that are saved, those that have drunken of Jesus, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. In us, in you, in me, a well. Everybody say, in me, a well. A well of what? Living water. Or you can say it like this, water of life. Water of life. Amen? In you is water of life. Or we could just say it like this, in you is life. 
A well of life is in you. Is that true? A well of life is in you. I want us to say that at least 20 times. Amen. We're going to confess it. Faith comes by hearing. I want you to say it out loud with me. When I say it, we're going to say that a well of life is in me. That's the way we're going to say it. I want you to think about it when you say it. Put your hands on your stomach. Close your eyes. And say, a well of living water is in me. Let's say it out loud together. A well of living water is in me. 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 Now say it like this. Say, a well of life is in me. 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 And once again, a well of life is in me. What's in you? A well of life. Are you looking for life? If you need healing, what is that? That's life. That's a manifestation of life. Amen. The direction of the Lord is a manifestation of life. The wisdom and knowledge of the Lord is a manifestation of life. All His words are life. Isn't that right? His words are, if we need wisdom, we need His words. And He said His words are life. Amen. Basically, anything you need comes under the major heading of life. Amen. Have you realized that? The healing power of God is life. Wisdom of God is life. The knowledge of God is life. The love and joy and peace of God is life. It's all of life. It's all manifestations and works of the Spirit of life. So if you're looking for life, where should you look? In the well. Amen. Where's the well? In you. In you. A well of living water is in you. Inside of you. Now go with me to Proverbs, the 20th chapter. Proverbs chapter 20. Verse 5. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. It says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. 
Well, the counsel of the Lord is life, isn't it? And he's just talking about one aspect of the life that God is and has, counsel. But he said it's, it, it's in a person like deep water. Deep water is not easily accessible, is it? You don't just walk over and scoop up a handful. You have to draw it out. And that's our, the, the title of our, our teachings this week. Draw it out. Draw it out. Now we talked yesterday for the benefit of those of you that weren't with us, and we can't cover everything that we talked about. Tapes are available, but we can review just a little bit. We, we went into some detail about how all that we need has already been given us in Christ. The Word says in Ephesians 1, 3 that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Peter said in his writings, he said that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The Word says that by His stripes we were healed. Amen. Colossians 1, 13 says He has delivered us. Has, not going to, has delivered us from the power and authority of darkness. Amen? Yes. I mean, you know, we've been blessed. We've been delivered. We've been set free. We've been healed. We've been empowered. The Bible says we received power when the Holy Ghost came upon us. Power to be witnesses. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Jesus has given us His peace. So many times things that people are praying for, they've already been given. Amen? I know this may, you know, may sound a little different if you hadn't thought about it, but, but it's the truth. So much of what folk pray for has already been given them. But here's the issue. Just because something has been given to us, that doesn't mean we automatically experience it or enjoy it. Because what has been given to us must be drawn out by us. Amen. The Bible says we're in Christ, and uh, Christ is in us. And the Bible says that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's all in Him. Amen? We're healed in Him. In Christ we're healed. In Him we're blessed. In Him we, we, we have already legally been given everything that we need. In other words, I mean, for God to heal somebody, He doesn't have to uh, do something to provide for that. He's already provided for it. Jesus already took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, paid the price for it. The Lord doesn't have to do anything in order for somebody to have available to them healing. And many times people get a wrong uh, misconception about that, you know, well, if you pray and fast and plead uh, long enough, God will do something for you. No, God's already done something for us. Amen. Well, if you, if you pray enough and, and, and what have you, God will move. God's already moved. See, the issue is that so many times folk walk by sight. They're not going to believe that God has done anything until they see it happen before their eyes. And so they're waiting until they see something, then they're going to believe God's moved. But friend, if you can read the Word, you can see that God moved and how He moved when God became man and Jesus walked the earth and Jesus took our place on the cross and, and at the scourging and, and bore all the punishment and judgment. 
and rose triumphant over it and sat down at the right hand of the Father on high. Amen. It's done. It's complete. The work of redemption has been finished. Bought and paid for. Every blessing you need. Any blessing you could think of and lots you hadn't thought of. has already been bought and paid for. Amen. But sometimes people, you know, they, 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 they have questions. Well, if, if I'm delivered, then why do I feel so bound? If I'm healed, then why do I have all these symptoms? If I have the mind of Christ and he's given me his peace, then why am I so confused and so distracted? Hmm? And what it, what it boils down to is folk are walking beside. They're not going to believe what the Bible says because of what they feel. Did you hear me? And multitudes are doing that. They're walking by sight, walking by feeling. They have more faith in what they see and in what they feel than they do in the Word. And that doesn't sound very complimentary, but that's just the way it is. That's the way many, many folk are living and thinking. But when you begin to realize the truth of the Word of God, you'll understand that everything that you need has already been given you in Christ and that we are not waiting on God to bless us. Amen. But what remains is for us to draw out of the provision in Christ what has been given to us so that we can enjoy it. We went over the story yesterday of the prodigal son over in Luke 15. And we, we saw how that the, the, the father divided unto them his living, not just the younger son, but gave it to both of them, the scripture says. How the younger son took his and went, you know, and wasted it and riotous living. And how when he came back, you know, he said, I'm no, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of the hired servants. The father received him, killed the fatted calf, caused a celebration, gave him a robe, gave him a ring, treated him like royalty. When the elder son came in from the field and saw what was going on, he was mad. Wouldn't go in, wouldn't celebrate with them. The father came out and the elder son said, I've, I've been with you all these years. I've always served you faithfully, never transgressed your commandments, and you never gave me anything. You never gave me even a kid of the goats that I might make merry with my friends. You never gave me a thing. But when this your son that has wasted your money with riotous living and spent it on harlots and what have you, he's come, then you killed for him the fatted calf. So he accused him. We know the father there is the type of God. Don't we? We know the younger son uh, is a type of young baby Christians. He was prodigal. We know that's a type of folk that backslide and get away from God and get out in the world and sin. The elder son, we know that's a type of older Christians. We know that, that he was faithful. He served the Lord. He didn't get away from God as far as transgressing and violating the laws and the ways of God. He stayed hooked, worked in the fields of the Lord, so to speak, and stayed faithful. But he accused the father. He accused him. He said, you never gave me anything. And that was a lie. I said, that was a lie. You can go back to the beginning of the passage and it said, he divided unto them. 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 And he looked at him. And he said, son, you're always with me. In other words, I know that you're with me. I know that you're faithful to me. And he said, all that I have is yours. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to give it to you. He said, it is. It is yours. What a lesson we can see here. What a lesson. He's reminding him, son, everything I've got's yours. And he's also informing him, and it is not my fault that you haven't been enjoying it. Amen. See, there, there, there's an implication there, isn't it? 
that it's not, it's not the Lord's fault that people are not enjoying things. There's a little, there's a, there's an implication there that he's saying to him, son, don't wait for me to take the ring and come and stick it on your finger. I told you everything I have is yours. You know where the jewelry box is. If you want a ring, go get you a ring. Don't wait for me to run you down and stick the robe on you. If you want a robe, you know where the closet is. Wear a different one every day if you want to. If you want to have a party, if you want steaks, if you want this, if you want that, you know where it's at. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Oh, what a truth. What a truth. It's yours. Praise God, it's ours. The Lord gave me a song sometime back. The title of it is Canaan's Land is Mine. Amen? Canaan's land is mine. Canaan's land is mine. It's a land where milk and honey flows. A land of blessings divine. Canaan's land is mine. Amen? The Lord's given it all to me. Canaan's land is mine. You see, the Bible tells us that what happened to the Israelites is, is type and example for us. Isn't that right? We're supposed to learn. And the Lord gave them the land of Canaan. When he brought them out of Egypt, he gave them the land of Canaan. He told them before he ever got them out there. He said, I've given it to you. Didn't say I'm going to. He said, I have given this land. And he told them in Deuteronomy, he said, go up and possess it. Go up and possess it because I have given it to you. All three or four times in the first two chapters of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, he says, go up and possess it because I have given it to you. But you know that first generation? They didn't take one city. They didn't enjoy one one acre of that land and that property. And the Bible said that they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Didn't say they couldn't enter in because the giants were too big or the cities were too great or they weren't able to do it. No, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. That's what kept them out. Now those folk wandered around out in the desert for 40 years. And finally all perished. And I guarantee you that, you know, we know from the scriptures that they mumbled and grumbled and griped and complained the whole time. What are they griping about? We don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have this. You know, some of the things they complained about. We don't, we don't have uh, vegetables and fruits and we don't have fish and we don't have this, and we don't have that, and it's hot out here. We don't have a decent place to stay in. On and on and on. But you know that was a lie? You know that was a lie? There were acres and acres of orchards and vineyards. There were vineyards that brought great clusters so big it took two men to carry a bunch of them. That's right. Isn't that right? I mean, there were streams with fish, freshwater lakes. That's right. Houses already built, vineyards already developed, ground already cleared, everything. The Lord told them that in Deuteronomy. He said, I'm bringing you into a place the houses are already built for you. 
Vineyards are already developed. Gardens are Everything's already. I mean, all you got to do is take it. You just got to go get it. But that's where they fell. Because they went and saw the enemy camped on them. And they realized it was going to be a fight to get it. And they didn't have the faith to believe that God would help them to overcome the adversaries and take it. To say they didn't have a place would be a lie. The issue was they didn't take what God had given them. Go with me in John. We were there in John 4. Just, just nearby here in John 3. John the Baptist said something that's very enlightening and very helpful. John 3, 27. John 3, 27. John the Baptist said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. A man can receive nothing. And the margin of my Bible says that that word receive nothing, it actually means he can take unto himself nothing except it be given him from heaven or out of heaven. You know, sometimes people are, uh, you know, they, they get a little concerned when they hear people talking about believing you receive and claiming this or claiming that or, or confessing for this or confessing for that. And they act like, well, you know, uh, that people are, are going to get something that God didn't intend for them to have. They're going to believe God for something that he didn't want to give them. Uh, don't, you know, folk ought to give God more credit than that. Shouldn't they? I mean, you know, God, how many of God's smarter than that? The only thing that you can receive with your faith is what? That which has already been given. Amen? There's no way you can have faith to receive something unless you first find out that it's been given. Now, we could talk about that a while, couldn't we? I said, there's no way that you can have faith to receive something unless you first find out that it's already been given. Until you find out that God's already given it to you, you can't have faith to receive it. Just take the issue of the new birth and salvation. Can you believe God to receive the new birth and be born again unless you knew first that God had given you Salvation? No. Could you believe to receive healing unless you had first found out that God's given you healing in Christ? That's where a lot of people are at. Well, God, you know, God might in his sovereignty heal somebody. You know, he might or he might not. You just don't ever know. No, no, no. He's already given it in Christ. The Bible said, by his stripes ye were healed. Amen. Amen. But just like salvation, now once you find out that he's given it, that doesn't mean you're going to automatically enjoy it. Once you find out he's given it, now what do you got to do? You've got to take it unto yourself. You've got to receive it. You've got to draw it out. Isn't that right? You've got to lay hold of it and draw it out. Friend, there's a well of blessings. I mean a reservoir. 
It's a deep well. Amen. And you talk about blessings. You talk about wonderful things. They're there. But just because they're there doesn't mean you enjoy them. Canaan's land was there. Land that flowed with milk and honey. Houses built. Orchards. Vineyards. Fish. Lakes. Streams. Timber. He said, he said, the, he said the, the, the hills have got all kind of metal in them. You can dig iron out of them for your tools. There's got brass in there. He went on to tell them, I mean, that land, he said, he said, the Lord said, I have spied out the land for you. He said, it's the glory of all lands. I mean, the Lord made this planet. Amen. And he, and he said, he said, I've looked over this whole area and this is the spot for you. It's got it all. Amen. And he said, and it's yours. I give it to you. How many know that if that God made it, and if he wants to give it to you, he can give it to you? Amen. I don't care who's kept on it. <laughs> if God said, I give it to you, it's yours. Amen. Amen. But of course, those giants, you know, they hadn't heard from God. They weren't in covenant with God. They didn't know God. And when they proclaimed and said, God's given us this land, they didn't all pack up and move. And they were so intimidated by the giants, that first generation, until they just gave up before they ever started. They just said, it's not ours. And they contradicted God's word and brought up an evil report. They said, oh yeah, he said it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But I tell you what it is, it's a land that swallows up the inhabitants of there, thereof. I mean, it's a land where you'll die. You go over there and you'll die. You wind up on one of those big giant spears. I mean, they cried all night in their tents about it. Didn't they? I'm paraphrasing it, but I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> they did. They gave up before they ever started. Didn't they? Do you know why this is written, friend? Why are these stories in here? For us? Did you know that's the way many, 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 many Christians are today? They gave up before they ever started. They looked at their symptoms. They looked at their feelings. They looked at their bank account. They looked at their debt. They looked at the, you know, the circumstances of life and the feelings and what they saw. And they said, uh, it's not mine. I'm not healed. I'm not prosperous. I'm not blessed. And gave up. When the truth is... <laughs> it's already yours. All that I have is yours, the Lord said to him. And that's, that thought's repeated in the Scriptures. Amen. Over in 1 Corinthians, he says again and again, all things are yours. All things are yours. We've quoted several verses that repeat that thought. All blessings are yours. All things that pertain to life and godliness. All spiritual blessings, all are yours. They're yours. By stripes you're healed. That's one of them. It's yours. Everybody say, healing is mine. Healing is mine. Amen. It's yours. Peace is yours. Prosperity is yours. But just because it's yours, there's no sign you're going to enjoy it. Folks don't usually run and shout about that, but we, we need to realize that. Just because it's yours, Jesus bought it, he paid for it with his own blood and his own body. Amen. 
It's, it's ours. If you check the books in heaven, <laughs> it's deeded to us. And that's what counts. Amen? Those are the records that counts. Healing is yours. Now you may have a big old sickness camped on your healing, telling you that it's not yours. Amen? And it may look as big as one of those giants they saw. There may be a fortress of a problem built up in your life that looks as big as the walls of Jericho. <laughs> Amen? And you can, like that first generation, you can give up and quit before you ever start. And you can say, well, I wish it was that way, but it's not that way. And you can, in your unbelief and walking by sight, you can flatly just look God in the face and say, Lord, you're not telling it right. It's not true. It's not mine. This is the way it is. You can walk by sight and you can contradict God. Or you can walk by faith and you can say, Lord, I don't see it. I don't feel it. It doesn't look like it any way at all. But if you say it's mine, it's mine. And by your grace, I'm going to take it. Amen. If I don't get it today, I'm not going to quit. Amen. If I don't get it by next week, I'm still not going to quit. It's mine. You gave it to me. If you're willing to pay the price you did to get it, I am going to enjoy it. I am going to experience it. That next generation of Israelites, they had wandered around out the desert with their parents for years. That's all they've known, you see, is the desert. And Joshua and Caleb kept telling them, that's ours. That land, see that land over there? That's ours. God has given it to I mean, Joshua and Caleb have been preaching this for 40 years. Talk about faithful. They believed it when they first went in. And they've been preaching it. I guess they sit around the campfire every night and look over at the pillar of fire, the presence of God, and say, well, Caleb, God's still with us. How you feeling? And praise God, you know, when Caleb was, was uh, 80 years old, he said, give me this mountain. This mountain's mine. It's, it was the big one with the giants on it. Amen. And, and jo Joshua asked him, well, well are, you, are you able to, to go get this? He said, I want you to know I'm as good a man today as I was 40 years ago when we went out and checked the land. He said, that's my mountain. I want the mountain. And he said, well, go get it, brother. Get it. And he went and got it. Took it. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't give us the whole story, but can you see him? 80 years old. Amen. He got his breastplate on. He got his spear in his hand. He got his sword. I mean, he comes up and he yells at the wall of this Philistine city. This city is mine. I've come to get it. And they yelled, well, you'll have it over our dead bodies. He said, fine by me. And he took it. And they put up a sign, Calebville. And the whole town was his. And the whole area was his. Amen. He had known it was his for 40 years. Didn't he? He had known it was his for 40 years. And he finally took it. He and Joshua were the only ones of that whole generation that believed what God told them, that it was theirs. They were the only ones. The rest of them didn't believe it. They didn't believe it was theirs. They believed it was theirs. And even though it took them a while, they got it. 
they moved in. They took Jericho. They took Ai. They took the next city, the next city, the next city. And I mean, they took it. Took them a little bit. They didn't take it all at once, but they took it. Oh, thank God. Does that have anything to do with us today? The Bible tells us that. That's why it's in the Bible. That's why it's recorded there. That these things are written as types and examples unto us. It belongs to us. It's been given to us. But you see, what is yours, what God has given, what has been given to us out of heaven, what has been given to us in Christ, we've got to, like the Scripture said, we've got to take it unto ourselves. We've got to receive it. Now, receive uh, literally means to take. Like in Mark eleven twenty four, where it says, What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. That literally means to take it. To take it. And we do need to understand that, that it's not a passive thing at all. It's an aggressive thing. If it's not, why would we be given the, the account of the taking of Canaan's land as illustrations and examples for us? How do we know that that was not a passive thing? They didn't, like we said, they didn't just walk up to the gate and announce, this is ours, pack your bags, we'll give you so long to get out. And they all did it and left and said, okay. No, they had to take it. And there was opposition. Now, when we say take it, you must understand, we are not talking about rending something out of the hand of God. Did you hear me? Do you notice the verse? A man can receive nothing except what? It's been given. It's already been given to you. Well, then why do you need to be aggressive about it? Because you have an enemy that will try to stand between you and what God's given you. He'll resist you with every means at his disposal. He'll try to wear you out, wear you down. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to delude you and deceive you. He'll do everything he can to keep you from taking your possession. It's not a matter that God's trying to keep you away from your possession. So many times people have talked like that. Well, I wonder why the Lord won't go ahead and give me my, my blessing. Well, I wonder why the Lord, uh, you know, uh, is delaying me on this. Uh, well, you're just thinking wrong. You're just thinking wrong. It's not the Lord who delays. You have an enemy. Amen. But I want you to know the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. See, that was the thing that caused them. I mean, the, the, the first generation of Israelites, they got so intimidated by their enemies until they just gave up and did without. You know, that is the easiest, isn't it? You know, a lot of people take issue with us about what we believe about healing, about prosperity. Oh, they really do. They write books about it. Get on TV and talk about it. Radio and talk about it. Amen. But I want you to know, it's much easier to believe what they believe than what we believe. You understand what I'm saying? To believe what we believe, it means it requires a lot out of you. Amen? You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to exercise faith. You're going you're to have to reach out. You're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to believe God even when it looks and feels like it's not so. It's much easier to believe that everything's just left up to God than it is to believe that God's already blessed us with the whole blessings and now if we're waiting on anybody, it's the person we see in the mirror. 
That's the challenging thing to believe. <laughs> Isn't that right? But that's the truth. I said, that's the truth. So many times the reason people, you know, develop the doctrines that they do is because it's convenient. It's easy. And all these doctrines that folk have developed as to it's God's will to heal some and some it's not, it's because somebody somewhere down the line prayed for somebody and ministered to somebody and they didn't get healed. And so instead of coming back and taking some responsibility on the matter and say, well, maybe we didn't do something right. Maybe we didn't do what we should have. No, they just, instead of doing that, they say, well, God. Never occurring that maybe we needed to make some changes. It's easier just to put it off on God and not take any responsibility. You understand? And friend, you know, if you've got some areas in your life that you, you're not walking in God's best, well, uh, that just means you're part of the rest of the club. Amen. <laughs> All of us are really just learning about what belongs to us in Christ and, and appropriating it. None of us have, have, have really laid hold of all that God's done for us and are walking in all of it. You understand? And it's not a matter of pointing a finger at somebody and say, well, you ought to have this or you ought to have that, because if you do, you ought to point one back at yourself and say, why don't you have what you should have? Why don't you have what's available to you? No. It's just a matter of us encouraging one another. Hey, it's ours. Let's get it. Amen. Let's, let's rally around this and encourage one another. Amen. Instead of, you know, wiling away the time and say, well, let's just wait and see if God wants to do anything. And it's just all up to Him. And we got nothing to do with it. Just passively waiting, waiting, waiting. No, no. Let's believe the truth. Jesus came. He bought our salvation. He paid for it. And He has blessed us with all blessings. Now they're ours. They're out. Whether we're enjoying them or not, they're ours. Amen. Canaan's land is mine. You may be 20 miles away looking at it through binoculars, but it's yours. Amen. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. There may be walled cities. There may be all kind of seemingly insurmountable obstacles between you and it. Things that tell you this could never be that way in your life. You could never enjoy that. You could never have that. Don't believe it. Don't walk by what you see. Don't walk by what you feel. Believe God. Don't be like those unbelieving Israelites that sat in their tents and cried and said, we can't do it. The Lord brought us out here to die. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be negative. Don't be down. Don't be unbelieving. Be like Joshua and Caleb. The Lord is with us. Amen. Amen. And if He's with us, we're well able to take it. While they're crying and moaning, Joshua got up and said, still the people and said, shh, shh, hush, hush. Now listen. The Lord has given us this land. And if the Lord is with us, then their defense is departed from them. And they'll be bread for us. That's an old way of saying, it'll be a piece of cake. I'm telling you, God is with us. And if God is with us, and He does take pleasure in us, He will give them into our hands. He will be with us. We will take it. Now let's go up right now and get it. And the Bible said they picked up stones to stone Him. They did. 
They said, that faith-filled rascal, and they got him a rock. <laughs> Did you know when folk are in unbelief and somebody else is in faith, it makes them mad? Makes them mad. Why? Because it shows up their unbelief. It shows up how, you know, how poorly they're doing. That's right. Always has. Why do you think folk are always wanting to stone Jesus? Because he was a faith preacher. He was. Jesus preached faith. He taught faith. I mean, when people receive something in his ministry all the time, you know what he was saying? He didn't look at them and say, well, God in his sovereign will has chosen to bless you, my child. No. What did he say? He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. According to your faith, be it unto you. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. Jesus was a faith preacher. I mean, he's the one that preached Mark 11, 23 and 24 first. Is that right? Is that right? Praise God. Let's be people of faith. Let's be people that don't, are not governed by what we see and feel. Sure, there's going to be situations in your life where, where, where what you're experiencing and what you're feeling is nothing like what the Bible says you have. But you've got to make up your mind. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. The Bible says this is mine. The Bible says this is mine. You have to start calling yourself what the Word says you are and believing that you are what Jesus says you are. Taking it. By faith. Now, I want you to go with me to Isaiah, the 12th chapter. Isaiah chapter 12. I told you yesterday that we'd talk to you about how to draw it out. Is that right? Or you could say how to possess it. How to lay hold of it. How to take it. Be all saying the same thing. How many of those, before we move on, you, you got what we're talking about, you got the concept that there is in Christ a vast reservoir of everything you need. It's already been given. Yeah. It's already yours. Healing, wisdom, prosperity, blessing, direction, anointing. It's already there. It's there. Not a matter of you needing to pray and beg and plead until the Lord's going to give you something. He's already given you something. He gave you Christ. And when he gave us Christ, he gave us all that he is and all that he has. And everything you need is in him. Yeah. Get about the business of drawing it out, pulling it out, taking out of that what we need for everyday life. And not be like the foolish elder son who says, well, you never gave me anything. You know, I, 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 I fear that there's going to be many Christians have just that kind of mentality. I've heard people say similar things. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord a question. I got a question. How come he didn't do this for me? And how did he give me this? And why didn't this, you know? Well, he's got an answer too. Answer is going to be, why didn't you read the Bible? Why didn't you believe what I told you about what I've already given you? Why didn't you take advantage of it? I was wondering every day, why don't they take advantage of what I've done for them? Why don't they enjoy that? Why don't they lay hold of that? Why do they always do without it? Why do they make by and scrape by without taking advantage? I paid a dear price for that. Why don't they enjoy it? 
Are you listening? Why don't they take it? Well, we couldn't. That's not true. Here's how you draw it out. Very enlightening scripture here. Isaiah 12, verse 1. In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou wast angry with me, and thine anger is turned away. Thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of that salvation, of salvation. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord! Call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for He's done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. In the midst of thee. In the midst of thee. He's talking about drawing out of the well, and He's talking about salvation, and He's talking about in the midst of thee, and He's talking about praising God and shouting and singing. Doesn't <laughs> this have anything to do with us today? Glory to God, it does. In you is what? A well of living water. Amen? The Proverbs said that a man of understanding will draw it out. How do you draw it out? Here's a key. Therefore, with joy. With joy. Everybody say, with joy. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. How you do it? With joy. You do it with joy. You do it with joy. <laughs> with joy. Glory to God. Now, somebody might say, well, is, is joy the bucket? Uh, I wouldn't say that exactly. No. No. I would say faith is the bucket. But one of the greatest indicators of faith is joy. And so when you're drawing with faith, there's going to be joy. You see what I'm saying? How many know that, that I understand that some folk might look at this and say, well, he said that you'll do it with joy, and so joy is the bucket. Well, no, no, see, I understand the whole context. How many know that you can do something with joy? That doesn't mean that joy is the apparatus you're using. That means that that's the manner in which you're doing it. And I believe that's the specific application here. You're going to do it in this manner. How? With joy. Now that tells me that you're doing it in faith. Amen. You're doing it in faith. The Bible talks about being weak in faith, being strong in faith. And how that faith denotes one's spiritual strength. To say that one has a strong spirit is virtually tantamount to saying one has strong faith. No such thing as being weak in faith and having a strong spirit. Because the, 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 the energy of your spirit is that force we call faith. Stronger you are spiritually, that's the stronger your faith is. And uh, the Bible also says that the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. Isn't that right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy and faith are inseparable. I said joy and faith are inseparable. I've said this many times and it'll, it'll bear repetition. I tell you, let me, let, let me just get you to look at a verse because some of you don't like you're quite convinced on this. First uh, Peter. Then I'll give you the illustration. Hold your place there in Isaiah. If you hadn't already lost it. But First Peter. First chapter. Are you there? First Peter 1. Anybody in here interested in drawing something out? Yeah. I hope you are. When we say draw out, I mean, this is, this is big. I mean, this applies to every area that you can think about. 1 Peter 1. He's talking about faith. In verse 6 and 7. And in verse 8, 1 Peter 1, he's talking about Jesus and he says, Whom having not seen, though we've not seen Jesus, you love. How many, you hadn't seen Jesus, but you love him. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice. Yet believing, you rejoice. Believing, ye rejoice. With joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving. Receiving. Receive. Yet believing, you rejoice. Receiving. The end of your faith, even the salvation. Salvation. We've been talking about drawing up by the wells of salvation. The salvation of your souls. Yet believing you rejoice. Yet believing you rejoice. Yet believing you rejoice. If you're believing, you'll be rejoicing. If you're not rejoicing, if you're sad, you're not believing. I said you're not believing. There's no such thing as being depressed about something and being in faith about it. Do you understand that? No such thing. I better say that again. There's no such thing as being depressed about a thing and being in faith about it at the same time. If you are believing, you'll have joy. The stronger your faith is, the more joy you'll have. Amen. Amen. Romans 15, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 15 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. If you're in believing, you're going to have joy, and he mentions another thing, you'll have peace. And, uh, I, you know, since, since I, I operate and work in healing school a lot, then faith is something that we deal with virtually all the time because that's how you receive. It's through faith. And, and I've endeavored to, to, to see in the, the characteristics of faith because we're very often put in a position where we need to try to ascertain is somebody in faith or are they not? And many, many times people are not in faith. Folk are calling it faith. Many times people are saying, well, you know, I know so-and-so. They were in faith and it didn't work out for them. No, you don't know anybody like that. Well, I know so-and-so, they trusted God and just and, and perished. No, you don't know anybody like that. There's a lot of folk that are confused about what faith is and about how it operates. Here are two telltale signs of real faith. 
You know, the Bible talks about feigned faith. The Lord gave me a message on that a while back. Another state, I preached on that. Feigned faith. Feigned means false faith. Fake faith. And in our faith circles, there's a goodly amount of that. Fake faith. It's not the real thing. It's not the real article. How can you tell the real thing? Here are two characteristics of real faith. Joy and peace. Oftentimes say it like this, you know, it's, uh, you've heard me say it, those of you that have been around, but, but, you know, as you're traveling down life's road in your faith mobile, there are two gauges you need to keep an eye on. You need to keep an eye on your joy gauge and your peace gauge. If your joy gauge gets over on empty and you lose your peace and your peace gauge gets over on empty, it's not going to be long until your faith mobile is going to sputter to a halt and lead you on the roads, leave you on the roadside of despair. You understand? If your faith is strong, then the joy is going to be on the full. The peace is going to be on full. And you're going to be traveling down life's road with great momentum. And even though you encounter big hills, you've got up some speed and momentum. Amen. That's strong faith. The just shall live by faith. Walk by faith. Faith's the victory that overcomes the world. It's evidenced by joy. So when he says, with joy, you're going to draw it out. I know that he's drawing in faith. Amen? Because if he's got joy, he's got expectancy. Amen? He's expecting. He believes he's received and he's, he, he's drawing and expecting. How do you draw it out? You draw it out with faith. Faith is, is the actual force that pulls it out. Now, when we say draw it out, you know, we, we've talked about a well, but and we think about a bucket and a rope. But actually, God's methods are not quite so primitive, you understand. I mean, even today, we, you know, we don't use buckets and ropes that, that much anymore. We use pumps that use air pressure. Isn't that right? Yeah. And it's actually air that pushes the water up out of the well through the pipe and into your lavatory or whatever. Isn't that right? It's, uh, it's air that's pushing it. But you know, there are many forces. Let's consider how that water is drawn up off the earth. It's drawn up by sunlight. Have you ever watched a lake or a body of water and watched the, the, the water vaporize and rise up? That's, what that, and that's how you know, clouds are, are formed. The sun is drawing that water up. And the Bible tells us that natural things teach us about spiritual things. We also know about the, 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 the pull of a magnet, don't we? The thing that's keeping you on your chair right now is there's a magnetic force from the core of this planet that's pulling on you. Isn't that right? And if you jump up, you'll come down. Isn't that right? Because it's pulling you. It's, pu it's pulling you. It's trying to pull you to the core of the earth, but uh, the surface of the planet keeps you from going that far. Isn't that right? And that's why if you jump out of an airplane with a parachute, you don't go up. <laughs> you go down. Isn't that right? You don't have a parachute, you go down quicker. 
Because there's that pull. Magnetic pull. And to me, uh, and what, what small understanding I have of faith, faith is so much like that magnetic pull. See, that I, I, the reason I say this is because I believe it describes it better than a bucket, you see. That's, that's pretty crude. But inside of you is this well of living water. How do you get it out? Faith is like a magnet that draws it. Strong faith pulls it up strong. Weak faith, you know, tugs at it a little bit. No faith, there's no pull. And what you've got to do is is you've got to, with your faith, reach out for the blessing of God that you need. And like a great magnetic force, pull it to yourself. Amen. Pull it up out of your spirit. God's in your spirit. The well is in your spirit. The water and the life's in there, but you've got to pull it out so that it affects your head, so that it affects your lungs and your heart and your body. Amen? Amen. The plan of God is inside your spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside your spirit. Wisdom of God, counsel of God, it's in there. I mean, the writer of Proverbs years and years ago said it's in there. But a person of understanding will do what? Draw it out. How do you draw it out? Can't do it with your hand. How do you do it? Faith. Faith. And if you're operating in faith, and you're doing it in faith, you'll do it with joy. Amen? You're expecting. Have you got your faith pull on anything? Has your faith locked on to anything? You know, as a kid, I was, all, I was always very fond of these science fiction movies. I always like, you know, like these science fiction uh, type things. Not, not so much the horror things, and I didn't care for that. But, but I mean, you know, just the, that there, people are taking trips in space and they got all these spaceships and all these kind of things. I've just always been intrigued with the rest of the universe. I wonder why God all made all those planets, you know? I'm curious. Anyway, don't get into that. But <laughs> there's no, no scriptures on that that I know of. It'd be all theorizing and conjecture. But uh, they're there for some reason. And, uh, and, and they're very intriguing. I, I was watching recently some of, the, uh, uh, some of the footage from some of our more recent satellites that they showed on a particular program. And I mean fascinating. Some of the bodies that are out there, the planets and the moons and the stars. I mean, just th- this creation is phenomenal. And it is so huge, so gigantic. I mean, our, our whole solar system is just a speck in this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's so huge. And, and that helps you get an idea of how big God must be. I mean, He made it, you know. He's bigger than, and, and I, don't, don't, I don't mean space-wise, but I mean uh, being-wise, He's bigger than it is. Because He made it. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the, these bodies pull on one another magnetically. And they'd have, you know, in, in some of these science fiction uh, type things, they'd have these spaceships, not, they'd always have tractor beams. <laughs> they could lock on to this, pull it to it, you know, pull it to it. And not, not a chain, not a rope, a power beam. Like a magnetic beam. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, lock on to something and pull it in. Well, friend, that's what your faith is. Amen. It's a tractor beam. <laughs> Amen. A spiritual tractor beam. 
How many know that in Christ, in the Spirit, there's healing for you? There's wisdom for you. There's counsel for you. But it doesn't do you any good there. You've got to lay hold of it and, and draw it out and pull it out. Amen. And when you believe you receive, your faith locks hold of that. Amen. And when you believe that, you, that you've received and you're, you're uh, constantly expecting that to come into fruition or come into manifestation in your life, it's pulling it towards you. It's pulling it out of the Spirit into this realm. Pulling it out of the, the reservoir of provision into this dimension. Amen. I know that might sound a little bit, you know, far-fetched or other dimensional, but there is another dimension. I know that there's a spirit realm. It's real. God's a spirit. Angels are spirits. Where are my blessings? Where are my blessings? He has blessed us. Not going to. Has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Healing is a spiritual blessing. Provision is a spiritual blessing. They're all spiritual blessings. They come out of the Spirit. They're there, waiting on you. Waiting on me. Vast resources. But we don't receive according to what's there. We receive according to our ability to draw it out. Did you hear me? We don't receive according to what's there. You don't receive just because it's there. You don't receive according to what's there. You receive according to your ability to draw it out. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You get a hold of this and start practicing it. <laughs> your life will be changed forever. Everybody around you's life will be affected. Amen. Because you, you know, you, you pull out things that help you, but it also helps you to help others. Amen. And sometimes the Lord will, will allow you to pull out some things to help others. Just to help them. How many know what I mean when I say pull it out? Yeah. Pull it out. Draw it out. Lay hold of it with a bulldog grip of faith. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean have a faith that's like a tractor beam that nobody can get loose from. <laughs> I mean, when you lay your, when you lay the tractor beam of your faith on that blessing, that's it. That's it. It's gone. I mean, it. it's out of there. <laughs> Next destination, your house. Yeah. Amen. Your body. Amen. Your mind. Isn't that right? Now, sometimes it doesn't, you know, many, many times things don't just come out of that realm into this realm just like that. Sometimes you have to maintain a sustained pull over a period of days or weeks. Or some things even months. Depends on what you're talking about. I'm just talking about all areas right now. But you have to, you have to maintain a sustained pull. That's why the Bible said through faith and patience you inherit the promises. The patience doesn't mean just a passive waiting to see if God's going to do anything. No, it means sustaining that draw of faith. Sustaining that pull of faith. Sustaining it. Keeping it on. And that's why the Bible admonishes us. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't grow weary in well-doing. We're made partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. You hadn't got it till you got it. 
How many know what I'm saying? When you believe you receive in your spirit, it's like when you're fishing and you hook the fish. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you, you cast your line out there and you can't see it. You see a telltale sign, you see, maybe you got a, 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 what am I trying to say? Bobber, yeah. Don't they call them something else? Float? Yeah, I call, that's what I call them, floats. <laughs> anyway, you, you see, you see your bobber or your float, your cork, whatever, you know, it goes down and you feel a jerk, and I mean a jerk. Boom. Well, you believe you've received. Amen. <laughs> you, you believe you've received. Isn't that right? I mean, you've made contact. And you, you've hooked. And now you've got it online. But you ain't got to fish till you got to fish. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, no, you're not going to enjoy a fish till you get that fish out of the water. Isn't that right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna have fish fillet. A fish sandwich. <laughs> Until you draw that fish out of the water. Yeah, you've hooked him. But you gotta draw him all the way out. Isn't that right? And you gotta keep, you gotta, you gotta keep on your mind what's going on. Isn't that right? How many of you don't just lay your pole down and say, well, <laughs> you know, I got him. No. <laughs> No? You, you gotta keep pulling him in, drawing him in. Isn't that right? Draw him in. Draw him in. Keep drawing him in. Draw him in. And, and, and sometimes it's work. Isn't that right? And you might get tired. Especially if you're talking about a big fish. Let's say you're offshore fishing. I mean, you got a fish, you know. You got, you got a line big as your finger. And you're afraid it's gonna break. And I mean, you got a fish that's, you know, this big, you know, and, and this thing is fighting out there. And I mean, you, you fight him for, for a long time. I mean, there's stories of people that have fought huge fish for hours. Isn't that right? Got keep trying to draw him in. Keep trying. And you get tired. But you don't want to turn loose. Don't give up. Cause you're not going to enjoy the fish till you get him out of the water. So you keep drawing, you keep drawing, keep working, sweating. Drawing, working, keep drawing, keep it, keep the pull on him. Isn't that right? Yeah. Keep the pull. Keep the pull. Somebody said, well, what, are you, what are you trying to say, Brother Keith? Are you trying to say that our blessings fight to get away? No. Are you saying that God's pulling on the other end of the line just to make it interesting for us? <laughs> so that it's not too easy? <laughs> no. If God was on the other end of the line, pulling, <laughs> Forget it, right? I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. What are we saying? I'm saying that there are enemy in between you and what you've hooked. And they'll grab a hold of your line <laughs> and they'll try to resist. They'll put up hindrances. They'll try to discourage you. They'll try to wear you to get you to, to release your pull and unhook from your blessing. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. The blessing's not fighting against us. God's not fighting against us. It's the enemy that tries to get between us and what we believe we've received and, and, and hinder us from, from seeing it. 
One of his greatest techniques, like we've already said, is to call, to, to try to work on us to, to get us disillusioned and or grow weary in well-doing. Get deceived about it and disillusioned, cast away your confidence, or just get tired of fooling with it and say, I'm tired of this and just give up. But friend, how many times have people come up in healing lines or people prayed with somebody, prayer of agreement or, or whatever, had their hands laid on them, had anointed with oil or whatever, and, and legitimately at that point hooked their blessing. But they didn't pull it in. I mean, know what I'm talking about. They laid hold of it and began to draw it, but they didn't keep the sustained pull and they didn't draw it all the way out to where that they saw it and felt it. You don't stop till you get the fish on the bank. Isn't that right? You don't stop until you get the healing in the body. Isn't that right? You don't stop until you get the answer in your head where you can write it down. Amen? You don't stop till you get the provision, the money, whatever, in your hand. Amen. Amen. If you're in faith, you've got it hooked. You may, I mean, it's, I mean, you can be in faith. It can be surreal to you that, I mean, it's tangible. It's almost like sensing that fish on the other end of the line. You, you know, you've laid hold of it. You know, you got it, but you haven't got it out yet. But if you believe it's coming out, what will you be doing? Rejoicing. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You'll be rejoicing. Faith is when you, when you hook the big one, you shout and you say, get the frying pan ready. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> get us some hush puppies and some iced tea. <laughs> Amen. Call the neighbors because this is a big one. Amen. And just rejoicing the whole time. Rejoicing for hours before you ever see that, that fish pop up out of the water. With joy. You'll draw it out. Can you say amen? amen? How do you draw it out? You draw it out with faith. And when you're drawing in faith, you're drawing with joy. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.